guys, in this episode of Black and Behind the Scenes, we discuss Pharrell's new edutainment show, as well as Danielle Brooks working behind the scenes versus in front, okay? And then we're also talking about, in our spotlight, highlighting two gorgeous, phenomenal black women in the game, um, Christina Sanders and Summer Bonner, in yeah. their web series, Barely Adults. Super funny, super amazing, guys. And then in the spoiler alert, we're talking all things horror. First, we're speaking about the um, documentary on Shudder.com, mm-hmm. Horror Noir, A yes. History of Black Horror. And then, of course, we're getting to us and what the hell we thought that thing was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> us, and, us and them and us and them and us and them and us and them and them If you're just as confused as we are, uh, please stay tuned into um, Black and Behind the Scenes. Yes, guys. to another episode of Black and Behind the Scenes. I am Antoinette. And I'm Brittany. How are you guys? It's been a little while. We took a little break again. Yeah, <laughs> because of life, you know. Yeah, you know, stuff happens. Life and all that good stuff. So what's up, Brittany? How have you been? Good. You know, it's um the beginning of the month. That it is. Uh, it's officially spring. Is it? Because it the weather feel, yep. is not, It doesn't you know, feel like it. Yeah, saying something completely <laughs> different. Yeah, so, um, I don't know. Everything is cool. Same nice. old same. How was you? I know you had to travel for work and yes, stuff. Yes, I did. Yeah, it was it was, it was was nice, but um, I enjoyed the weather. I had all my spring clothes with me, so I was able to finally put those on and, you know, feel some sun. But then I came back home, and I'm just like, I was jet-lagged, and, you know, I was just yeah. trying to get myself back on balance. So You had to pack those spring clothes right back on I, up. I absolutely did, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like, when, when, when I'll be able to wear them here? I don't know. So, Not quite. The weather, yeah. But it is Cherry Blossom Festival weather. Um, well, not weather, season, season, I should say. Yeah. Um, and cherry blossoms are my favorite. Have so. you been? So have you been down there? I mm-hmm. haven't. I haven't. I no. think I'm going to go this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, see, the thing is, I don't like going when the crowd is there. But by the time yeah. all of that dies down, the it's, rain and the wind yep. blows all the blossoms away. So yep. I'm going to just have to brave it and um, the crowd and just going out there but yeah um it's my favorite one of my favorite things to do nice nice yeah i used to um when i first started photography well i wouldn't say first started because i've been doing photography since i was in middle school but one year i went down and i got up and i was down there at five o'clock in the morning to take photos so i can do sunrise and all that stuff so i always see great photos um Mm -hmm. during that time i mean because they're so beautiful yeah it is it's so nice and so very easy anybody i mean that's the best thing if you are you know interested in photography to go down and to shoot the cherry blossoms in dc but it is definitely like a 5 a.m kind of thing you have to do to get a good spot yeah yeah without a crowd absolutely all right well let's get into these black content black stuff yes blackity black (laughs) black because we're black and behind the scenes absolutely guys (laughs) it is time for the industry rundown story in the headline that I have is Pharrell teams up with Atomic Entertainment to push edutainment for kids of color. 
So guys, so Pharrell Williams, Mr. Neptunes himself, Al, is the executive producer of Brainchild, a new Netflix series that teaches kids about science, technology, and current events. According to Variety, the show is co-created by Atomic Entertainment and is a spin-off of New York-based production company Brain Games, which ran for seven seasons on National Geographic Channel. Wow. Yeah, and I actually really love Brain Games. Like, that was one of my favorite interactive kind of shows to watch. Like, I'm, mm. I'm a geek like that. Anyway. I've never seen that one. Oh, yeah, I love it. So, William stated via Instagram last fall that Brainchild is a way to both educate and entertain young viewers to spark an enthusiasm for learning. The show uses interactive games, experiments, and sketches, or skits, to push the core concept of the principles of STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math to viewers at home. Williams also stated that I got involved with Brainchild because there was a desperate need to raise awareness about the importance of science in our youth. We must edutain. We will post a promo for this particular show on our page, but um, Brittany, have you heard about Brainchild? And I have not heard about Brainchild. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a Nat Geo watcher. Mm. Um, but I do like this idea, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be on Netflix, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. That's something new that I didn't think that was um, where the show was going to be at. When I first saw the article, I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, a network or whatever. But this is Netflix. so. Well, you know, Netflix cool. has that whole, um, like, Netflix kids segment, they right? Do. Mm-hmm. So it fits right in. So I'm, I'm really excited about this because I'm actually going to watch. Because like I said, I love brain games and that whole little mystery thing with that. Um, so I'll be tuning in and you guys should definitely um, get your kids and watch along. So yay. Cool. So my next story is about Danielle Brooks and she is a Broadway producer. So according to Variety.com, Danielle, who you guys probably know from um, What Orange is the New Black and mm-hmm. she played Celie in The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. She actually earned a Tony nomination when she did her Broadway debuted as Sophia in 2015 right. for The Color Purple, right. so just so you know. She is now working behind the scenes as a producer on the new jukebox musical Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the, of the Temptations, mm. um, which is um, a musical with lyrics by The Temptations and the book by Dominique Morrison. Um, the story is based on The Temptations, and the musical has a series of regional productions and opening Broadway's Empirical Theater on March um, 2019. So the show is currently running and it's um, in New York on Broadway right now. During the opening night, uh, Miss Brooks told Variety, I saw them do a black box rehearsal and I asked the lead producers if I could please be a part of the show in some way. She goes on to say, I told them I think you are missing, I think what you are missing is a youthful black woman on this project and they added her to the project so I mean sometimes you just have to put yourself out there in order to get opportunities and that's exactly what Danielle did um and you guys can go ahead and get tickets at www.broadway.com for um this show I'm wondering what um I mean because this is about the temptation Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering at what angle um, was she saying that they should they would benefit from a youthful black woman just interesting to, to it would be to yeah I'm curious to know um, probably I don't know I, I'm not sure what she meant by that but I mean if it is a, a show based on just men 
um, in the music industry in the 50s and 60s. Right. Um, yeah, that would be an interesting thing to know about what, what she meant by that or how she her influence is um, shaping the actual musical itself. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, good for her. Yeah. So, the last story I have, guys, is kind of an update on the stream. Well, really, <laughs> what is funny is it's an update but not really an update because Apple is being shady. So... <laughs> So as you guys know, on March 25th, Apple um, announced their streaming service platform to the world because they made it this big production as this, you know, to-do thing. Right. And so basically we know that the name of the streaming service is going to be called Apple TV Plus. Big wow. Like, oh my gosh, you guys really like shocked us with this name. Right. It's surprise. No, it really isn't. Like, it's just all you did was take your Apple TV and add a plus sign at the end and that's a streaming service. Okay, we got you. (laughs) And besides all the A-list Hollywood actors, they really didn't reveal what exactly they're going to be doing. Um, they just had the, their promo reel, which is kind of like an what do they call those? The um, the upfronts yeah. that networks have, and the upfronts are basically like prom- promotional mm-hmm. um, previews of what's to come for the upcoming season. So that's pretty much what they did. And they didn't go into details about the tiering system, how much their pricing points are, or any information at all. So we won't get anything until the fall when this is actually launched to the public. And yeah. Which seemed really anticlimactic for you to you give know. us this tease and then, you know, not reveal anything else about it. Pretty much. And you know what? So I thought it was interesting because you said they had all these big names. Like I saw Oprah, right. Reese Witherspoon. Right. And I'm just like. Reese and Oprah, at least those two specifically, I know have their own content right. generators. Right. Oprah with own, yep. and then Reese with her. Um, I believe it's an app. Or it's, oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. I thought she had like other shows with like Hulu and other places. She like, does, but she yeah. does have an app uh, or some, it's either yeah, a website or app or something mm-hmm. where she pushes content out. And um, I'm just wondering what would be the benefit for. A Oprah who has her own network to push out content exclusively for Apple. I I just I don't know. For me, it's not enough to draw me to Apple TV. Yeah, no. I mean, it's or Apple TV. What is it called? Apple TV Plus. Apple. Apple Please. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. So I don't know what it is that they're doing completely different from what other networks and or other streaming services are currently doing. They're not. Um. How are they going to get people to watch? I have no idea. Um, I, it, it would be, it's going to be interesting to see. Only thing I can think that what they're going to do is give whoever has an Apple TV free access to their streaming service. Well, I would hope so. I mean, you would hope so. We would hope so. We shall see in the fall when they release all their information. You have Apple TV, right? I do not. Oh, okay. I thought you did. No. Okay. Well, Somebody who have Apple TV, keep oh, us yeah, posted. yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know people who have Apple TVs. I definitely will ask them about that because I'm curious to know. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see. Okay. So yeah, guys, that is it for the industry rundown. Pretty short and simple today. Or do you, do we want to um, send condolences to oh, yes, um, yes, yes. Nipsey Hussle and his family? We absolutely do, guys. Um, as you know, Nipsey Hussle um, passed away this past Sunday. Um in front of his store in Los Angeles. And it was a pretty touch and go moment for a second because we didn't know what the status was. We did hear reports that he was shot 
and then it was later revealed that he passed away um, mm-hmm. at the hospital um, hours later, which is very unfortunate. And we do send our condolences out to him and his family um, and Lauren um, and his children, definitely. Yeah, I mean, when I heard this news, I was definitely um, saddened to hear that he had lost his life, um, that he was murdered. Right. Um because he has those young children yeah. and um, he was young himself. And yeah. I know he was doing a lot of great things in his community of mm-hmm. um, Crenshaw Heights. I think that's where he was from. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was doing a lot to not only build himself up, but to build the community up. Um, and I think it's just a tragic loss to not just those in the hip hop rap community, but just, you know, in in general to the black community i think um i think this is going to be one that hits people kind of hard mm-hmm. and i feel especially bad for lauren london i thought they were such a cute couple yeah and they just did that spread um yeah what it, magazine was that was that, was that gq, GQ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cute like, oh, they wow. were so cute um and i just hope that she you know it stays strong yeah. for her and her children Exactly. Um, we know that she has uh, like a project coming out in BT maybe either this month or next month. Right. Yeah. I just saw the promos for that. It actually looks good. Yeah. 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 Um, and we know that Nipsey had his documentary um, yes. about Dr. Um, Sebi, mm-hmm. um, which is a controversial figure. Yes. Um a lot of conspiracy <laughs> surrounding yeah. Dr. Sebi. Yeah. Um, but um, as of today, Nick Cannon has agreed to mm-hmm. finish, this or he, he has expressed a, a desire to yes. finish this documentary right. that Nipsey started. Um, and so I, I'm hoping that it does get finished. Yeah, I'm actually um, interested in seeing it because I have heard talks behind 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 the deep deep web of the internets <laughs> about this documentary uh-huh. but it's not anything that's been mainstream i don't think mm-hmm. um that's why we never reported on this on the show because it isn't something that um is i would say broadcast to the mainstream public as of yet as of yet as of yet so um yeah i'm interested in watching the documentary when it is finished and completed and interested in um nick cannon you know finishing this out so we shall see yeah but definitely condolences to him and his family absolutely um and to those who were close to him Mm -hmm. um unfortunately sad and tragic yes absolutely (sighs) well yeah so that that this is I hate now. to end the industry on yeah. the industry <laughs> run down on such a sad note, but yes. you know, I I just thought maybe we should um highlight that know, for a brief moment. Mm-hmm. All right, well let's move on to Spotlight. Yes, Spotlight. Innovative, creative, overall black excellence. It's time for the spotlight. All right, you guys, this week on the spotlight, we are actually going to highlight two incredible women. Um, Antoinette and I had the privilege to um, interview Christina Sanders, um, who's writer, director and producer, creator of Barely Adult Web Series and her producer and story editor Summer Bonner. Um, Again, these two affiliated with the web series Barely Adults. 
which follows a newly college graduate, um, Paige Anderson, trying to navigate the adult world and um, all that happens post-graduation and trying to land her dream job. So um, we talked to them about their roles in creating the project, Barely Adults, Mm -hmm. um, their outlook on the future of black content, as well as their advice on pushing through obstacles to achieve your dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a very good interview um lots of good information mm -hmm. lots and lots guys very two very brilliant um young Mm -hmm. black women in in the industry and so we wanted to talk to them we have a two-part interview yes and here is part one enjoy all right guys we're here and back for the spotlight and today we're fortunate enough to have two black creatives um that we're highlighting today we have christine sanders writer, director, creator, and um, Summer Bonner, co-producer of the popular series um, on the web called Barely Adult. Um, Thank you, ladies, for joining us for the spotlight today. Yeah, we're happy to Um, be here. Hello. Thank you. So, Barely Adult is a web series that garnered a lot of popularity and critic success. Um, I know Antoinette and I both saw it at the D.C. Black Film Festival last summer, and we absolutely enjoyed it. Um, It was one of the most funny web submissions that we saw there. So thank you guys for submitting it and and introducing us to um, your characters and your story. It it was was really good. Great. I'm glad you guys Um, liked it. So just a little backstory, you guys, for um, about their web series. It follows a young college graduate called, um, named Paige Anderson. Um, she's entering the workforce. She's finding that it's not so friendly and as easy to enter as um, one hoped and thought it would be. And um, But eventually she lands a uh, coveted job working as an assistant for a high-powered producer. Uh, but, you know, her job is no cake in the old walk in the park, I should say. And um, she has um, a high demanding boss. And then she's also juggling that in her personal life. So um, that's what the web series is about. Like, again, um, it's very funny. Internet and I think it's hilarious. And true to life, uh, I think it's something that both Antoinette and I can resonate and relate to, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And I think that's what makes it so funny because it's so relatable. So um, if you guys can, this question is both for Summer and Christine, if you can take us back to the beginning of your career in entertainment, was it sort of like a page story where you got out of college, you thought you were going to do this, and then something else turned up? Or how did you guys both start in entertainment? Yeah, um, I, I can. I'll start, and we can definitely throw it to summer. I start. I graduated college. In college, I had five million internships. I was like, I need to get a job. I'm living in New York. You can't be in New York without a job if your parents are not paying your rent. <laughs> so I immediately got a job. Um, I worked in ad sales for a big. Uh, television company and then moved over to a network, another network, and was working in programming development. And it was actually a really good experience. Um, and then moved over to 
be an associate producer somewhere else and then transition to digital. But, you know, I had all of these different pivotal times. And of course, the web series is, is a bit dramatic, but we've all had, you know, tough work environments and tough situations. And I just wanted to capture that because it's not just my story. It's like the story of a lot of different friends and a lot of their different stories. And I found a common thread with us of just being young and of color and entering the workforce and no one looks like you. You don't know who you can trust and you don't know where you should go and the importance of mentors, but then not knowing like, you know, older bosses who might look like you, but have a very different experience as you as also. And um, I, I just learned a lot early on uh, that serves me even to this day, 10 years later. So it's, it's, it, it, it's a story that is timely. I think it covers people of color across the board. I think it, especially when you're living in a really expensive city and your parents aren't paying your rent and you just are like, well, what do I do? How do I survive? How do I make this work even though I'm in an environment that is like incredibly toxic? Um, and then the fact that it was done in, during the recession mattered to me because I wanted for her to have only this option. You know, we all worked during the recession and there just wasn't a lot out there. And, you know, a lot of people were in situations where either they didn't have a job or if they had a job, they were working three jobs at that job or they were afraid to leave leave because they were afraid they weren't going to find something else. So, and, you know, she's young, she doesn't have any contacts, she doesn't have that much experience. She just really wants to be there. So I wanted to show that with this young woman. Well, you hit the nail on the head for sure. (laughs) You definitely hit the nail on the head with that because I was sitting in the theater when I was watching it, just like cracking up at everything. And just like, that was me. That was just my experience. So I totally related 110%. So kudos to you guys. Great. Yeah. And Summer and I met, this is like the power of changing jobs, but maintaining those relationships and those friendships. We, Summer and I met at the second food network years ago and we became really good friends and then just stayed that, you know, she went her way, I went my way. And we just always came back to this and me saying to her, you know, I really believe in this project and her being like, I really believe in it too. And I'm like, well, let's do this together. And it just, I I couldn't imagine having a better partner on this. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So sweet. Great response over. You're the best. (laughs) So Summer, I know that you've um, had your career and you've worked at the Food Network, that's where you met Christine. Um, How did you start your career in um, yeah so um, I started my career in college um, working at a local news station um, in a very kind of news or media um, kind of concentrated school but though I was an English major um, and then I ended up like I didn't really know anyone in the industry um, even though I wanted to go into entertainment and so, like, I went to Barnes & Noble, and um, they used to have uh, this huge book called the College, or, or sorry, I'm sorry, the Hollywood Creative Directory. Um, and so I just went through it and started, like, writing people's names down, and I emailed um, my first boss at Food Network, Michael Smith, um, and he was, like, one of the only people to actually write me back. Um, and then a couple months later, like, his assistant left, and he reached out to me and was basically like, do you want to interview for this job? And at the time I was 
um, living in D.C., um, even though I am from Chicago. And so um, I just, like, ended up doing a phone interview. I went out there, and that's how I got that job. Um, and, yeah, it's just from there, you just meet so many people that are, like, doing so many things. And as, like, my career just kept, like, moving upward and onward, um, it just gave me more options to collaborate with more people. And so that's kind of been the biggest lesson and the biggest thing in my career, just like as I've gained confidence in my career and as I've gained confidence in myself as a creator um, and as I've, you know, just seen what other people are capable of, it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's just been a really cool journey. Um, and meeting Christine has obviously been a huge life change. Um, we collaborated you know, on this thing over, I don't even know, was it like a year? <laughs> and was, I feel like it was longer than a year from when we yeah. first, like, put, talked about it to, like, started setting up regular meetings to the decision that the script was locked. Like, it was for sure more than a year. <laughs> so. Yeah. It was, you know, just starting off, even just the process of her having an idea, sitting down, writing a script, and then she just wanted to show the script. And that's the power of, you know, as much fear as people have. Um, and I think it's hard when you are creative because a lot of people even put this like kind of fear into your heart, almost like things should be scary. You shouldn't, because it's not a normal career path, but I think you have to like kind of follow your gut. So, you know, even her just stepping out of that just to show it, script it's like look at what happened from her just sharing her script with me so yeah it's amazing I don't know that's it <laughs> absolutely yeah there can be like a sense of fear around something new or jumping outside of the box or doing something different um that comes with kind of being a creative within itself so um we definitely know exactly where you guys how you feel about that for sure <laughs> yeah um, so this uh, next question is uh, really geared towards Summer because um, Nasilia knows a little bit more um, about your background and where you got started and things like that. So we wanted to know um, how you transitioned from writing short form content like trailers and promos to doing a long form um, web series. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I actually, my dream was always to work, you know, on a show or write something that was long form. Um, I took a couple of classes in um, high school, college, um, just on writing. I took classes on my own um, about screenwriting. And so that was always just something like in my heart. I'm a huge TV fan. You don't have to be a TV fan to like want to be a screenwriter, but it's just like something I, I enjoy the nature of storytelling um, and the medium of television, I think, expands and reaches to people in a way I feel like few other mediums do. Um, so being in short form kind of came, I guess, from my news background, just because you end up like writing and rewriting these very short tailored stories um, that you have to like do every day. And so it was kind of a natural fit um, ending up doing on-air promotions at Food Network um, and, you know, writing like 30 second to 60 second 
promos. Um, for me, I guess it that stems from my background as a short story writer, um, just because I've been writing fiction since I was a kid. And the more I like, I started like kind of looking back and reflecting on my life, like I've always been geared towards short story writing. So um, it was just like, it's just all this combination of things that kind of came together. But I feel like a short story um, and a long form story, honestly, like, so there are more bones, more pieces to put together for uh, like a 30 to 60 page script. I'm not going to like lie or sugarcoat that. I still feel like all stories, whether it's like a 15 second promo or it's like a movie, have a beginning, a middle and an end. And you have to tell a comprehensive story in some way. So um, one thing kind of, I feel like it all just like kind of melds together. But yeah, um, I don't know if that answered the question. But, but that's kind of it. <laughs> oh, nice. Yes, it does. You did. So that's fantastic. So the next question is for the both of you guys, and um, we both appreciate your feedback on this, but um, you guys have experience in writing, producing, coordination, um, editing. Uh, what would you say is essential to, is it is it essential to master all of these different roles in order to ascend in your career or should you just no. focus on one? Can you just be a producer? Should you just be an editor? I know a lot of jobs in the corporate sector are kind of requiring you to be a predator or I mm -hmm. to say predator, right? right. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, we know what you mean. Producer, editor. Yeah. Producer, editor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a lot of uh, corporate jobs, but not even just corporate jobs, a lot of jobs, period, are at, uh, looking for you to have a plethora of um, practical skills. Would you say that it's important to master all of these um, in order no. to move forward? Or to, okay. No, and the reason why, because I, I, you know, I think as women, we sometimes get intimidated when we see job descriptions and we think that, oh my God, we, I don't have that one thing that they're asking for, yeah. therefore I shouldn't apply or I shouldn't do it. And I am a producer by trade, I've produced for a while, I've produced others' work. Um, I've sat in on editors that when I was in a, at the start of my career, I could edit and that was like on final cut. But over the years, it's no longer you editing your own stuff. It's, it's you hiring an editor because you might have a bigger budget and therefore you're like, you're giving notes, um, you know, in terms of shooting stuff, it was important to me that this looked really cinematic and beautiful. And if I shot that, it was <laughs> on my own with my own camera, it wouldn't be that great. So it's important to, it, it's your team, you know, like for the jobs that are asking for predators, that's probably at a magazine, that's probably at a video based, that is a newspaper, and they're not necessarily looking for, you know, um, the next likely type of video or commercial grade. They're looking for something, you know, fast. Can you push it out? You know, is it, is it good enough? Um, and it's also okay, which is also why I had Summer work on this, because I there are certain things that I wasn't strong. You can't see everything, you know? And for those people who know, who've been in the game for a long time, they can do everything great for them. But I knew that there were certain things that I just weren't my strengths and therefore I needed to bring in people who I trusted to, to work on it with me, you know? 
like, you know, Summer was fantastic as an editor, meaning like when she would edit my scripts and she would like point things out that I didn't see and help me like think about ways to see things differently, which is incredibly important to have feedback from people who know what they're doing. Um, and not just like, you know, it's great to have like your friends read it, and which I definitely did, but then have somebody who can actually give you really strong notes and give you an explanation why and, and take their time with it is invaluable. Mm -hmm. um, and Madeline, who is my um, assistant director, is actually like a really award-winning filmmaker. And she, you know, just also like came in and helped me look at things differently and offered her opinion. Um, and Guillermo, my DP, he, you know, works on things all the time. And I thought that the things that he um, was creating were, were so stunning. And he had the exact look that I was looking for. And so just having this really strong team helped. And, you know, Michaela and my engineer who did all of my music and, and helped me find music artists and, you know, reaching out to people and, you know, my lawyer. Like, you, you're not going to know everything. You can You can know a little bit of everything and it's good to have some idea of what that person does but to, to you're hiring them because of their expertise you know mm -hmm. and and their ability to give their opinion exactly and to help enhance like the product that you're making so no you don't you don't have to for me be like first and foremost i'm a producer and so that boils down to like how organized are you you know can you stay on budget can you rally a team together it was really about like getting a strong team together, me being confident in my product and my scripts and having a timeline. Right. And a budget. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Most importantly, a budget. Yeah. And Summer, did you want to chime in on anything on that question? Yeah, I think Christine like really hit everything um, you know, on the head. I think that <laughs> no person is everything. Um yeah, I think that you do need all of the parts to come together and um, just like having people too that have different experiences um, also brings a lot to the table just because they might problem solve for something that maybe isn't even exactly what you brought them in for, but they might have like a lot yeah. of knowledge collaborating with other people um, exactly. that they bring to you um, for things, which is amazing. I feel like there is a lot of pressure, I think, um, in the industry to be all things, um, like, you know, like you brought up, but it's just, it's impossible. I mm -hmm. think that all we can do as people is prepare ourselves, like, yes. as much as possible, whatever you're interested in, um, like, pursue it, like, go after it, you know, take an editing class, like, having... Mm -hmm much knowledge is never there's no such thing um and it'll only kind of give you a leg up especially as things kind of like get more competitive um you know the more tv like changes and everything moves and moves towards streaming etc like that's mm -hmm. another conversation obviously right. but um but yeah i think that that's the nature of just like of knowing what you do and doing it well and then adding on to those skills is still an important thing like that's always going to be a thing knowing like what you are good at and also like do what you enjoy doing because if you don't enjoy like what you're doing and what you're creating it does translate into the work like it's just not going to be as good and understanding like what your vision is etc yes as, um, a yes. creator i think is really important 
But yeah. um, but yeah, totally impossible to be all things like to all people. Um, but yeah, and I think another thing people um, that happens too is people tend to see the thing that you do, um, say you're freelancing, et cetera, and like kind of know you for that thing and people tend to get stuck in a box. So mm-hmm. again, yeah. it is a good thing mm-hmm. to have like to, to try to be a jack of all trades as much as mm-hmm. you, again, having more knowledge is always a good thing because then you know, like say you are sitting in with an editor, but you know how to edit, but editing is not your thing. Then you can speak their language. You can communicate. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think because of Summer and I's background, we did know a little bit about, we knew a lot about some things and at least a, a smaller amount about other things because Summer has been an edit. Yeah. I've been an edit. So like we've both done short form. We've done long form. We've given notes. We've, you know, dealt with sound mixing. We've dealt with color correction. We've So we've, mm-hmm. our, it helps having a, background in media you know if, you, if you're coming into it and you're like you know I I'm an accountant and I want to make a web series that might be more challenging you know right um, but but it's not impossible so it just might it might take a little bit more and some more classes for you to feel comfortable with certain things yeah I absolutely agree with you ladies because when I first entered the industry I didn't realize how many roles and responsibilities that everyone had but I knew that I wanted to be a producer and I also knew that I need to understand everyone's role within a film or a short story or whatever we're producing so that I can speak the language, like you said, Christine, and understand um, everyone's role and what is it they're doing so I can, you know, be able to sit into an edit and say, oh, cut here or, you know, make the audio go this way or, you know, just have a basic understanding of that. So I did learn that quickly when I entered the industry. So I definitely agree with you ladies on that point, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so that kind of leads me into my next question for you guys. Um, what do you find more gratifying? I mean, I know, Christine, you said you are a producer at heart, but you also write as well. Um, yeah. Is producing or writing um, more gratifying for you, or is it a combination of both? I think a combination of both. Uh, so the writing part is because it's coming out of my head, and it's mine, and it's that's the highly creative part. Uh, the producing, the act of organizing something and taking a, a simple idea and seeing up on either the big screen or on your computer um, is also amazing. And and all of the moving parts and all the different people you meet and being able to direct that and lead a team. So I, I love both. Um, and have you know my day job is definitely supervising teams, but my heart is for sure writing. Yeah, um, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Um, I consider myself to be, even though um, my entire career, I've been a producer um, in just like different ways. Um, So just that whole process, but for me, it's been a creative, um, more so than a line producer. Um, so I've always gotten to kind of write and bring elements together and bring people together and et cetera, et cetera. And I really do enjoy that part of it. Um, but I mean, for me, obviously, like everything has been about pursuing the writing. Writing is just like something that has been a part of me since, you know, as far back as I can remember. And it's, it's 
for me, it's like not just like a job. It's like a part of my life. It's something I can't shake. It's almost something I feel like I don't have a choice in. Um, so that's why like all of my jobs have had an element of writing to them. So um, yeah. Great, fantastic ladies. Um, um, Christine, I know that you guys worked for Barely Adults. You have to do a Kickstarter campaign. Um, mm -hmm. And for a lot of creatives, finding finance is the most daunting and the most scary part of about starting um, any creative project. Um, and you've met your goal. you met your goal for Barely Adults. Can you share with some of um, your some advice for other creatives looking to um, have another or start a successful Kickstarter yeah. campaign or financing because that's a whole another beast and another thing that you got to navigate. Sure, I will go with what worked for me um, was not to. I didn't want to owe somebody, but I had so the Kickstarter was purely post-production, marketing, all like everything that happened after we shot. I had to raise money to get us to production. Um, and it mattered It mattered deeply to me that I had all of the money before I started production because I did not, for, for just the production part, because I did not want to um, have that be delayed. I, I had the timeline. I wanted to execute. I put a budget together. I figured out how much all those things would cost. Um, of course, Sometimes things go over, sometimes things go under, but I, I clearly wanted um, like certain things to happen. And for the Kickstarter, that was all for post, uh, just to refine a few things and make sure I could do film festivals and make sure, you know, I, I had some small ancillary things um, that came up. Uh, it, it can be daunting. I had a good friend of mine who raised her entire short film via Kickstarter, and um, it's a lot, but I've, I've seen it before. But if you feel like you have a strong social network, uh, people donated to my Kickstarter who I was like shocked and they donated well to it and got me over the finish line and it just showed like how much they cared about me because um, they're really investing in you and your dream and whether or not you feel like you can, um, you, you want to go after this and it, it makes them feel good. So I, I'm all for Kickstarters um, and making sure that you you set a goal that could you can obtain but also not being afraid to set one that's high enough to really cover what you have like i would for people who want to do this i, I actually really would sit down and think about how you want to shoot it like do you want to just do like run and gun or do you want to like have it look more like cinematic and what kind of dp do you want to have what cameras do you want to use and really understand how much it could potentially cost who you know who can help out in the pinch and and go from there because you don't want to be like um, midway through, like, oh, my God, I've run out of money, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. So. I think, like, piggybacking on that, it, um, also knowing what the intention of um, what your project is and, like, yes. how that should inform, like, how it looks, how you shoot it, like, et cetera, as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome, ladies. Alert. Yes. Ellen 
this whole spoiler alert, we're keeping it very horror. Yes. <laughs> Do y'all like that? My my <laughs> my scary laugh. <laughs> so first, um, I wanted to. Before I saw us, because we are going to do spoiler alert on us. And this is just a heads up, y'all, because I feel like we can't really talk about us without talking about the movie. And this is called spoiler alert. If we try not to give you too many spoilers, but I think when we're talking about us later on, we're going to have to talk about some things. So hopefully you're one of the people who've already seen it. Because, I mean, it's done like 100 million so far. Really? But, um... I'm just giving you a warning that we will be spoiling yes, us. guys. But before that, I wanted to watch this documentary mm-hmm. about horror on um, a streaming platform called Shudder. So Shudder is a streaming service um, that exclusively has content of horror. Yes. So there's horror um, films, horror documentaries, mm-hmm. horror um, series. Yes. Um, and on this streaming platform, they have a exclusive documentary, their own curated content mm-hmm. called Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. Yes. Um, so Antoinette and I watched it. Yay, I thought it did. was um, very informational. It was. It had um, notable. So good. Yeah, it had notable people on there like um, mm-hmm. Ernest Dickerson. Yes. Um, Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. A slew of authors and experts on black horror yes. um actors loretta divine paula j parker mm-hmm. keith david yes um richard lawson yes um, up and coming film directors yep. and writers yep. new Two, people that yep. was, yeah i haven't seen before i can't wait to see their content exciting yeah so um it was very informational it started <laughs> from the very beginning from where black people in horror were representative like um like the intersection scared. yeah the first yeah yeah like scared of their own shadows acting like really i would say goofballish um mm-hmm. coonish but um, the first one was birth of a nation yeah they talked about that how the birth first, of a nation yeah, was, was uh, a horror and how yeah. it depicted this black menace mm-hmm. um in the mail right right and then we went through um you know from Birth of a Nation all the way to Night of the Living Dead in 1968, mm-hmm. in which the um, hero in that movie was a black man, mm-hmm. right? Um, Dwayne Johnson played the protagonist in that film. And then, although he still died in that movie, it was still um, a very standout role for black cinema and then black horror. Yeah, and then time. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And then we move on to black exploitation films like Blackula. Yeah. Um, and um, what else was on Blackula? Abby. Yes. Um, and some other great mm-hmm. films during that time. And then we moved on to the 80s and 90s. And then mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, this funny thing about how, like, black people ain't surviving in movies. Yeah, no, we never did. <laughs> we always knew we were going to die. It didn't matter, you know? Like, uh, black not? people weren't survived, weren't the highlights of right. movies. They were either died off, they were the sidekicks, or they were the sacrificial lambs yeah. for the white protagonists. Um, and then we move on to the 90s where we have, what, like, Tales from the Hood, Candyman, yep. mm-hmm. and how, like, horror began to change. Up until now, mm-hmm. the horror movies of late, like, um, Get Out, um, Oh my gosh, what's that movie? Attack, attack the Block. 
You never seen that movie? No. What is that? Oh my gosh! You need to look <laughs> at it on Netflix. Attack the Block. Attack the Block. It's a British film, but um, oh my gosh, what is this actor's name? And I'm about to butcher it. Um, oh my gosh. So it's about um, it's about these kids like a uh, alien invasion come down on this like housing project in oh. um London. Oh, it's the kid with from John, um. um I know this kid. I don't I don't know his name. I can't pronounce the last name. It's John Boyega. 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 Okay. So y'all, John Boyega was in um Imperial Dreams on Netflix or is on Hulu. That one. And he was in Detroit. Yes. Detroit and, and Star Wars. Yes. And Star okay. Wars. Yes. So Attack the Block. We they were talking about how that film, The Girl with the The Gifts, which is also on Netflix. And get out how we now have this resurgence of black heroes in horror films surviving all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Not just surviving, but leading right the whole crusade of fighting the villains all the way to the end. And I didn't know Jada was a part of that too. She was in a film that they said that she was the first woman or black person, I think, to make it all the way through to the end of the Tales from the, the Crypt. And I remember watching that as a as a little girl, which no, I No, not thought, Tales from the Crypt. Not that one. It was another one. Tales from I, I didn't even see no, it was it's one I haven't seen and I don't think any any I don't know. I don't know how I'm I'm not gonna, gonna generalize us and say no one's seen them film. No, I know. It had no, I've seen that. I think it is Tales from the Is it if these walls could talk? Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. No, that's not it. Nope. It's Tales from the um is Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, Tales from the Crypt. That's it. It's a really? Tales from the Crypt movie with her and Billy Zane. Oh, okay. And like I said, I remember the movie came out around 95. Me oh. and my father watched Tales from the Crypt when I... Oh, um, yeah, I remember Tales, yeah. That together. was scary shit. And so when this movie came out, I remember seeing Jada and was like, oh, snap, she survived all the way to the end. Mm. And you know another movie I thought was really good, although... They didn't highlight it. I know what you did last summer too. Yeah, with Brandy, with Brandy of course, she survived. She did survive. All the way they to did the not. End. I think they show clips of it, right. a clip, but they didn't talk because about again, it. Because again, those type of characters and Brandy's character, she was a that. sidekick, right, she was. to the white protagonist. But I do remember Brandy because her body looked amazing. So, yeah, she was. She, she, she was okay, so, so in that movie, she <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that. But I remember her body. She like, was so small. She God. was able to. Like, crawl through this, like, window pane yeah. to escape. Mm-hmm. And I remember being younger, like, oh, if that wasn't me, my ass would have been dead. <laughs> no way. You get these thighs and butt through no window That's pane. That's the thing. I didn't know Brandy had a butt. And I was like, wow, Brandy got a little body on her. Okay. Girl, my God. Not enough to be uh, not getting <laughs> sliced off going through window panes. Oh, love but, Brandy. Um, yes. Yeah, so it 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 ran the whole gamut of mm-hmm. um, black horror. I thought it was really great to have Jordan Peele in there giving yeah. his um, his take on anything, and he was saying specifically when he wrote Get Out, uh, how he wrote it for a black audience. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> he wanted to write a film for all those frustrated black audience when we see black um, horror movies and Mm -hmm. we're like, now if a black person wasn't doing this, they would have not gone into Mm -hmm. the house or they would have ran the other way or they would have not checked out what was making the noise. And he's absolutely true as as black audience members. When we see (laughs) quote unquote white people doing stupid stuff, we're like, Oh, why don't you just leave the house? Like, because Mm -hmm. our horror movies would be super short. Like if I hear something, 
bam, I'm out of here. I ain't be messing around with y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Very, very true. So, um, and that's kind of uh, talking about like spoofing, like kind of in a sense, but that's kind of like what the Wayans brothers also did with scary movie and scary movie two until someone else bought it. But they would take the movies that, you know, um, the popular horror movies and then recreate those into spoofs as into what would really happen if black people were involved in these movies and things like that. So right. the things they would really say. Right. So that was just really funny and I loved it. Yeah. So if you guys can, if you're interested in horror in any way. Or just um, want a history lesson. Honestly, yeah, you just really want good. a history lesson. Go to Shudder.com. That's mm-hmm. Shudder. S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to, they have a free trial for seven days. Yes. So I suggest that you um, sign up for the free trial. Look mm-hmm. at this documentary. The unfortunate part about Shudder um, is that they don't have a lot of black content on there. They do not. Not even the black classics like Candyman, um, Tales from the Hood, mm-hmm. Blackula, like none of that's on yeah. there. Um, yeah. Which is a little shocking because if you're going to do a documentary about it, why wouldn't you have, you know... Especially because this documentary was so well done. It was. I'm just surprised that they don't have black content on there. But anyways, if you're interested, check out um, Black Noir, A History of Black Horror on Shudder.com. Great. And now we're going to get into us. Yes. All right. So let's talk about all the... You know, the all the, the basic facts mm-hmm. I gave you guys at the beginning. Us is about a family whose vacation turns into chaos when a group of doppelgangers. Us is about a family's vacation that turns to chaos when a group of doppelgangers. Did I say that right? Doppelgangers. Doppelgangers. <laughs> that is such a hard word. It is a hard. Me. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Doppelgangers. I don't know. Doubles. <laughs> doubles. Double. Double. <laughs> when they're doubles. The others. When the others come to terrorize them. The others right? is. <laughs> the others When them people over there from underground come back up. That's right. Um. <laughs> got writer and director Jordan Peele, um, Lupita. Winston Duke is um, Gabe. Mm-hmm. Um, newcomer Shahidi Wright Joseph, who played her daughter um, Zora. And who's also playing um, the Nala. Yes. In Lion King. She yeah. is playing Nala in the Nala. Um, live version mm-hmm. of. Live action. Mm-hmm. Live action of um, Lion The Lion King. King. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that because I thought she was a standout. She was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, okay. she was. That girl was uh-uh. on fire. She was. <laughs> <laughs> Evan Alex plays um Jason and then the so He was cute. good too. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was really so good. Cute. Yeah. And then Madison Curry plays um the young Adelaide. Oh, which I thought yes. was really cute. She was yeah. she was really good as she well. Was. Um <clears throat> I'm not gonna give you the other characters alter egos because no. I just found that it was weird that the people the Doppelgangers had names like they did. Yeah, they had names, which is weird to me. Anyway, so the budget for Get Out, yes, I mean, not Get that? Out, the budget for you, Us was $20 million. Wow. Opening weekend, it did over $70 million. It did. Um, it's now the second weekend, and it's close to $100 million. Okay, so Jordan, my name's Antoinette Tope, and I run in on everything that you do. I doubted you before, and I won't doubt again. 
You doubted him? Oh, yeah. Why? Because, okay, so let me, okay. My history with Mr. Pill was based off of Comic View's um, Comedy Central. Sorry, I said Comic View. Comedy I was about Central. To say he was on Comic View. No, no, I, no. If he was on Comic View, he would have been completely different. <laughs> completely different situation. Comedy Central, the King and Pill show. That's where I based it off of. And some of the, the skits were funny, and some of them I had problems with. And so when I saw the promo for Get Out, I was skeptical about that because of the history with Comic Comedy Central and the skits that he did there. So I didn't know what to expect with this. That's interesting that you say that, and I'm going to go off on a tangent because I did not prepare this comment in my notes, but I was having a conversation with someone about the success of the box office, and I was telling them that I don't think had this been a, a um, unknown black director that it would have not done as well. Agreed. The only reason, and I, this is not to take any knockoff of Jordan Peele, because I think he's crazy talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, the only reason why he was able to make that much money in the box office was because, A, of the success of Get Out. But the success of Get Out was brought in exclusively because he had already came into the genre with a crossover audience. Yep. With Key and Peele. Yep. And truth be told, not a lot of us was watching Key nope. and Peele. Nope. It wasn't nope, like nope. a Dave Chappelle where like yeah. we were watching it and we thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a large black audience. No. There was some black people watching Key and Peele. I thought they were hilarious. Some of their skits were and some of them weren't. Like you said, but I would watch it on a regular. But they didn't have an exclusive black audience Mm -mm. in fact i would say many people many black people probably didn't know who jordan peele was until get out i agree so he brought in already this white audience Mm -hmm. with him and then with the successful uh get out because it spoke about the black male experience in america yep then he was able to bring in a black audience and then pull those two together brilliant then we Brilliant. got seventy million dollars I mean, in the no, box office. No, yeah, there's no. I mean, the person who doubt. I mean, wait. I doubt. I can doubt him all I want to. But if, as far as Hollywood goes, the people who doubted him in Hollywood, I bet you they're kicking themselves in the ass now. He definitely because they should not have doubt. They should have seen the crossover appeal. You're going to get the black audience. You already have the white audience or mainstream audience from this and bring them together. That's that's a hit out the park. You know, right. with good content. That is. He definitely probably <laughs> didn't. <clears throat> probably experienced some pushback in the, uh, in, in um, from white executives oh, because I don't know if if you remember this movie that they did Keanu about the cat. Yes, that's another reason why I was. But I thought that was hilarious. Shit. Oh, Brittany, <laughs> <laughs> I was over. I was like, no. Tell me, Haddish was in that suit. No, I thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm sure you're the okay, you and you. <laughs> Anyway, so, you know, I say that to say that um, Jordan Peele did not have a black audience. He Mm -hmm. did not have to. And again, I'm not trying to throw shade or anything like that. He did not have to build up an audience like the Ryan Coogler's or the Ava DuVernay's or um, even the Tyler Perry's. Right. He Mm -hmm. already came in with a with a great fan base, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. which leads me into why, in my opinion, not a lot of black people like this movie. Because it deviated from what we saw 
in us. Agreed. Okay. So let's before okay, we let's, before we get into all that, let's talk about we're uh, deep guys. Yeah, we're, 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 we're gonna call it. We're gonna get into some things. Yeah. Let's talk about um some uh, some notable points here. Yes. Um, over 70 million opening weekend, mm-hmm. which is the highest grossing original horror opening yes. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it passed a quiet place, which did 50 million. Mm. Um, the highest grossing R rated original opening ever, which was original, um, Ted, it beat that. And then the best opening for original movies since Avatar. Wow. Okay. So it, Shatter some, some yeah some box office numbers which, which is really huge guys especially in today's time where people are not going to the theaters like they used to at least i don't think like people are going in droves how we used to back in the day because we get on dvd like the next as a matter of fact if bill if bill street could talk is on hulu now it's sure is. so like a month later you know it's going to be streaming somewhere so the fact that they're he's actually getting asses in seats is pretty big it, it's that says a lot yeah so, I mean, like I said, it's doing phenomenal mm-hmm. in the box office. Um, has a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 70% for audience ratings. Mm-hmm. That's um, fair. And I think it's one of those movies where you either loved it or you, you hated don't. it. You yeah. And I personally, um, I personally enjoyed it. I loved it. Same. Okay. Same. same. All yeah, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. so we're, we're here. <laughs> yeah. So, let me go into the things that I loved about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, I thought it was very suspenseful and I felt that way from the trailer. I thought the trailer gave us suspense mm-hmm. and it carried all the way through the film. And I think it was able to do that because to me, in my opinion, this was great visual storytelling. Yes. Like some of the shots, um, the lighting was done in such a way where it built suspense Mm -hmm. like my favorite shot was um where they were on the beach they were walking the family just and then it was that aerial shot yeah and you could see their shadows it was like it was telling you something it It was was foreshadowing right and and i would go in to say even deeper i see this more as a thriller than a horror film okay so let's talk about that because that's another reason why people didn't like it because Mm -hmm. people i think people were coming to is coming to the theater expecting to be Boo scared. Right. And, and my Jump sis- scared. And even my sister didn't know the difference between thriller and horror. She yes. said, I, what's the difference? I said, well, there's a huge difference. <laughs> I have to I had to explain that same thing yeah. to someone. I was like, well, this is not like a horror film where you're going to get slashing. Right. It's a psychological thriller. Right. Much like how um, The Sixth Sense mm-hmm. is a psychological thriller. Right. But it's still categorized as a horror film. Right. It's, it's in your face and it's direct, but you have to look for the similes right, right. and the messages that it's trying to tell you. Right. There you go. Right. It's not like a boo, let me jump you out mm-hmm. of your skin yeah, type no, of film. Yeah, no, that's more horror, you know, guys. Like, it's you know. not. It's not that type of movie. Um, So, again, I thought it did a great job at building suspense. Yes, it did. Um, And I personally love movies in which any, not just movies, but any content in which the audience is left to decide its own interpretation of either the meaning or the ending yeah, or whatever. It's fun. I think those are fun movies. Yeah. Like it, everything doesn't have to be so literal on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because this movie wasn't that, right, was another reason why people didn't like it. Agreed. Because some uh, people just want you to smack them in the face with the information, and right. they don't want to dig and like think and right. deep divers here. Right. 
Um, let's talk about the cast. I thought everyone did a phenomenal job acting. Not Absolutely. only um, <laughs> the energy that it requires to act two different roles two different two characters start different you know dark Completely. roles yeah i was blown away by that i thought lupita did a phenomenal job she did um she really did i mean i just i, I am blown away girl when I, when i heard her voice i said oh hell no and you know what <laughs> and i saw so i saw an interview with her and she was saying how she the inspiration for this her voice mm -hmm. as red was um this condition and i'm right. not gonna name the condition because uh, yeah. i ain't gonna butcher it i do know what you're talking um, about though. but mm -hmm. it was a condition in which um those who experienced trauma mm -hmm. um their vocal cords were spasms so they sound like that and she said she had um been in contact or seen or witnessed someone mm -hmm. speaking that way and she thought that that would be a good inspiration mm -hmm. to this character because of course adelaide experienced some trauma right and it will only make sense that that trauma manifested itself in that way to mm -hmm. me um but you know also the absurd thing is she had to apologize i know which Girl, is so know. crazy she had to apologize <sighs> for yeah, having that be her inspiration in the film which i think is absurd because <sighs> so so wait, before Brittany goes so let me tell you guys something this is why robots are going to replace actors in the next 10 years because there's always a freaking issue with every little thing that everyone does and no one can be human anymore and talk about anything because it's always going to be a backlash, uh, you know, some, an outcry or someone's going to get upset. Like, it's ridiculous at, at, at this point. So when, when we're all replaced by robots, don't come crying to anybody else. Like, really, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, unfortunately, that received some criticism, which it shouldn't have received. And I think it most definitely only received criticism because she was a black woman who said that, and she just knocked that shit out the park. Right. I mean, because nobody else get. Think about all the other roles played by white actors in which were inspired with people with... Disabilities, yeah, and or right. Anyways, major eye roll. Mm -hmm. Um, love Lupita. I think she deserves an Oscar for yes. what she did. Shit, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lupita. I think she definitely deserves an Oscar for what she did. I love Winston Duke and what he did with his character because it did not <clears throat> have this hyper masculinity that we see all the time yeah, in no. the black community. Yeah, he was soft as soft as could be. And fun fact. I wanted to punch him <laughs> a few times. Fun fact, he almost lost that role because of his size, right? So it would be hard oh. for people to understand why this big ass dude is getting carried throughout this movie. You know, I kind of side eyed him a few times. Cause <laughs> I was pissed off with him and that stupid ass bat and he, his little leg and Getting knocked down, I'm like if you don't get your bigger ass up. But you know what though, they had to have it. <laughs> it, it made sense to give him a, a handicap at the beginning because otherwise you'd be like, now why? But he also was his character was not established as this um, brute guy. You know, True. he was the funny. He was. Dad. He was funny, goofy dad. I get it. It was great to see him cracking dad jokes. Mm -hmm. um, and the kids ignoring him. Right. Wife too. I just yeah. love that whole beginning scene of just seeing a black family yeah, vacationing black family with a boat. That felt black good. family, um, although 
Very normal. Right. Doing very, normal things. Very normal. Doing normal things. You know? well, well, we, yeah, very normal. <laughs> very normal. Which I love. I think it was important to see that. But mm-hmm. also knowing that they were black, right? Because right. we had the Howard sweatshirt. They yes. had their, um, Lupita had our hair. And dark skin, the melanin. Oh. The, the darker, the darker kind of our folks right. <laughs> on the screen with the whole family. That right. when they could be related. Yes. It makes sense. I thought, yes. I thought, I love that whole thing. <laughs> Finally. I loved, um, I loved Shahidi. I thought she did a great job playing mm-hmm. both of her roles. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to see what she does in the future. Absolutely. I mean, so one thing I would like to point out that I found very, very loved is that I love music. And so something that Jordan did with this film is that he put certain songs and music within this within this movie, right? So one thing in particular that he did was the Janelle Bonet yes. song, I Like It. Yes. And if you guys don't know the lyrics, I had to tell Corey this on our way back home. She specifically says in this in this particular lyric in the opening, yes. depending on my mood or my attitude. Sometimes I want to roll or stay at home. Walking contradiction. Yes, I'm factual and fiction. Yeah. Like if that doesn't tell you and goes yeah. deep and exactly what this film is in representation, I don't know what else will. Yeah. I loved it because as soon as she that song came on and I knew those lyrics, I was like, oh. And then that everything else unfolded. I was okay. like, oh, okay. I see you, Jordan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I see you. I mean, like you said, the music was definitely a thing. That creepy definitely. strings, I got five on it. Ooh, beautiful. I love that beautiful. composition. Yes. And the ballet, when she was doing that, I was like, oh, kill it. That shit. Somebody kill should. It. Can uh, Alvin Ailey or somebody do oh. um, a ballet of that yes. um, score, uh, please? Freaking amazing. I love I Got Five on it. Fun fact about Britney. So, oh, what <laughs> I got five on it is the song that I came out to um, in my um, Delta probate. Oh, nice! Because it was five of us, oh, and so that was like our nice. little little song that we came out to when we were introduced nice. yeah. to um, the community after we had done our process. You know, if those who don't know what a probate is, but you know, when you finish <laughs> your process, you cross your burning sands, then you have a showcase to see who are the mm-hmm. new members and that was our sh- um that was our song i got oh. five on so it always has a special affinity in my heart and, nice. and now that it's in done in this beautiful Embedded. strings yeah. gorgeous i love it even more yeah i love that song um and no name the rapper she was also featured that's who the daughter the young girl adeline adeline adelaide right? no i don't know the young character the young girl daughter oh zora zora her character was listening to her on her headphones. Mm-hmm. See, I paid attention to those little things. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I was blasting that album all weekend. And then I really? heard it on the movie. I was like, oh, I've been listening to it. So who's so, the artist? Her name is No Name. Okay. That's the name. She's from Chicago. Okay. I'm assuming because she's really her. The, anyway, I think she's from Chicago. And in that particular song that they were playing, she talks about chasing a, a nigga down a rabbit hole. She wants a nigga that will be with her to go down the rabbit hole. Oh, in reference to okay. the rabbits within the movie. Okay. So I was like, this is this is something you're You was really like, picking up on I those really music was. vibes. Uh-huh. The cues. Okay. I was just really, really all yeah, all day. So you was <laughs> picking up on all that. I was one of the moviegoers who did not see the twist coming. Oh. Well see, I well see, I'm not gonna say I saw the twist coming. 
I will say that once I, once the movie was over and I was reflecting on everything, okay, then that's you when I started putting the pieces okay. together. So let's go into the cons because I went with my boyfriend and he absolutely hated this movie. I even asked him <laughs> today. I was like, okay, I'm prepping for the podcast. We're right. going to talk about us. Is there one thing that you liked about the movie? And he could not give me one thing he enjoyed about the movie. He thought it was stupid, y'all. Like, <laughs> sitting in the movie theater next to him, he was just huffing and puffing and rolling his eyes the entire time. Oh, no. Um, he did not enjoy it at all. Aww. And um, so let's talk about some of the reasons why people may have experienced the same way um, or the same feelings that he had <laughs> in the film. And I think that is because... It was too confusing. It was. Um, it's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. It's an ambitious horror, or I would say it's an ambitious layered mm-hmm. theme. And it's too. You need to watch it several times to get well, it. Well, he. Well, I, I saw an interview with both him and Lupita, and they talked about how, you know, they specifically had elements of their either Lupita and her acting or him and his writing of um, repeat watching. So, and you have to watch it several times mm-hmm. in order for you to pick up or right. pick up on um, either Easter eggs or clues mm-hmm. or whatever right. for you to understand it. But I think upon the first watch, it was too confusing. And I think it was because there were either to me in my mind, there were two distinct themes. One where we're talking about, um, the forgotten people, the um, disenfranchised, yeah. the poor. And then to me, there was this other thing of um, two different sides of you, like a, mm-hmm. a, a darker side um, that will eventually, under circumstances, rise up. But if you put those two themes together, they don't correlate, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's why people are having a hard time. Like I even looked up that reference of Jeremiah eleven eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm still to me that still is not giving me any insight on what the hell this movie is really. Yeah, no. I mean <laughs> really supposed to be saying I don't I'm trying to I can't I, let me see if I can remember what I think the movie was trying to say. Like I think that in my opinion that it was trying to convey that um I'm trying to it's, it's definitely something of, oh, this is what I thought. Okay, so I'm thinking that the movie is trying to convey that the world and the society that we live in is trying to portray a particular image to us and sell us a particular image and or push certain things down our throat, i.e. when you're in the carnival, you're eating funnel cake, you're doing this, you're doing particular things, you're wearing a Michael Jackson's Thriller shirt, you're eating a candy apple, very stereotypical things that you, all Americans do when you go to an amusement park and or things. And so I think that what it was trying to tell you is that a lot of the things and where the dark side or where the dark people live or whatever, the, the, the clones, that this is the actual reality of what it really looks like of what you're doing. You're, you know, you're, you're zombies. You're kind of just following and you're going, um, um, you're going along with the status quo, the status quo. You're eating like they were sitting at the, the table eating, um, you know, funnel cake, but when you look at the dark people, they were eating, you know, rabbits, rabbits and just meat and just blood and gore. So it's like, you're not, you know, I think it just, that's, that was my interpretation of it is that you're going along with the status quo versus challenging this, this, the norm. 
So even to the extent with the reaching hands, reaching across America, all of that. I don't know how the hell that ties in. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know. I just know what I just said. <laughs> I don't know how that ties in. <laughs> I have no clue what the hell that was. <laughs> I, okay, so like reaching whatever that campaign was reaching hands across America, hands across America yeah. was supposed to be a campaign <laughs> right. about um, helping the poor. Okay. Right. Ah. So <laughs> I have no again, clue. on the onset of that, you would think, okay, this is about the underserved communities, the poor, the disenfranchised and how we, we've forgotten them. If you use that reference of Jeremiah eleven eleven, how it says, um, something to the point where like there's um these people won't be able to escape this horror i'm not gonna save them this is god talking right mm-hmm. um so then you think okay the poor and disenfranchised is going to take over the one percent mm. or the oh, wealth right okay. that's what i got from okay. it however it doesn't make sense when you talk about in my mind it doesn't make sense when you talk about how young adelaide Basically, her person underground killed her, or not killed her, choked her, and 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 brought her underground to this place. So it's like, okay, so these people are evil. Like their body movements underground, to me, they looked evil. Yeah, and I know there was some type of explanation for that about the souls that's what um red was saying when she, her and red and adelaide same characters you guys mm-hmm. when they were having their final fight scene mm-hmm. which i thought was cute and then also anticlimactic at the same time but i didn't know what the hell was going on at that point I when was she like, was what? at the chalkboard and she was talking and yeah. she was giving the reason why mm-hmm. that was all explained like the government and I'm just, but it was it's too confusing yeah i don't know I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot, guys. See, it's like a lot of layers. It's a lot of layers. Like I'm just not. I'm. I. I I'm confused as what he's really trying to say. I want him just to tell me what are you trying to say. But sir? he's not. He's not going to do that. I need that. him too. I need. I, you know, as soon as the movie was over, I went on YouTube and just googled every freaking thing. Of course. I was like, oh, what is this? What does this mean? What does that mean? And there are a thousand think? pieces. And on I didn't like anybody's stuff. anybody's opinion about it, so I was like, I'm gonna stick with my own opinion and just go with that because I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, but yeah. I know. Right. Um. Yeah, like I said, to me, those two things of, like, having a darker side, I can see that in the way the people were moving underground, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that they um, came up and killed everybody. But if you think too closely about it, you will see plot holes, right? Or yeah. things that just don't make sense, like how some of them definitely mirrored um, their doppelganger, and then some of them different didn't. How they had different attitudes. I yeah, didn't. even the son was the the burnt mouth. Yeah. So do you? Okay. So here is the question of the day: Is do you think the son was switched out? You know what? Because Corey thought so. I don't think that. I don't know why people are saying that. I think because his mouth was burned. And but the people, guy wasn't burned though. The, the little kid, boy wasn't burned. Right. So they. So I'm thinking that the Adeline character switched the boys out because maybe he had an accident and no, because, burned okay, mouth look, or something and she went down and said, come here the, and you go there. No, <laughs> but at the end of the movie, they show that boy, his face is not burnt. Yes, it was. 
Yes. What are you talking about? No. When he took the mask off, it was burnt. No, I'm talking about at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Where the boy is looking at Adelaide crazy and he's figuring out, oh, she really was one of the underground people. Yeah. His face was not burnt. No, no, no. The little boy, no, his wasn't. That's why I'm saying they switched. So why do people think he was switched? Because one was clearly burnt at the end and one was not. You know what, Brittany? <laughs> that, 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 that one, I ain't, I ain't gonna rock with you on. That, I don't think that the boys were switched. <laughs> okay. You don't think so? I I don't know. I don't, I'm still up in the air with it. It could, it's a possibility. Okay. Because well, he knows something. He knows something. Yeah, he knows that his mama, because when she was killing uh, Red, she was making those grunting noises, right? I didn't right? Even notice that. I have to go back she and was, watch And it. I was, because I remember thinking, I was like, no, okay, now what the hell around with her? <laughs> you know, I was thinking, now what the hell? <laughs> so she was making all those grunts and groans and stuff, and he heard that. But also, that's weird. I, okay, here's another one of the things that I didn't like about the film. I felt like somebody should have died. One of those characters should have died, and it should have either been... No, I think black people died enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> One of them, I think the father, Winston Duke, Abraham, Gabe, that was his um, main character. Gabe should have died. He should have died in that boat or died in the water. Um, I, mean, I could have seen that because he was kind of useless. And then... But I think, I think Jordan did that on purpose because of, of the history of, you know, black people horror. We always die. So he was like, no, everybody has to live. Of course. <laughs> but I the think opposite. somebody should, to live. should have died. <laughs> and I just thought I it was that. weird that I know Adelaide, I mean, Red brought, you know, she snatched the boy up at the end to bring, to force Adelaide to come down right. underground. Mm-hmm. But why didn't she just kill him? Like, that was her main that, objective yeah, for them to, to kill him. Right. I don't know. And then, so this whole time I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe this is just happening. And this county, it was a government experience only in the little small beach town or whatever. And then you see all the of whole, them. Hell no, because the pan comes out. And then it's all. And you see them. Across uh, the freaking world. And I yeah. was like, now shit. Yeah. <laughs> Like, where are you going to go? Where are you guys going? Where are you going? What is the point? <laughs> where are you going? What is the point? And then I don't also understand how some of the, I don't know. So when we get to the white couple, their family. Yeah. Um, Let me tell you, Jordan Peele, he don't spare no um type of. White uh, villains. <laughs> well, no, white feelings too. But also, there was like their killings were immediate. Yeah, that's what there I said, was no, like, there was none. no suspense for that. Mm-hmm. To the fact where I did not see that coming, I was like, oh crap! No minute, no second, no. Oh, let me run. No, nah, okay. it was none of that. It I'm was like done. instant. But I thought it was weird that Mm-mm. those doppelgangers were willing to kill instantly. Well, kill the um. Um, Zora and, um, and, um, oh, yeah, and, um, Jason, but then the other doppelgangers were only going after their people, own person, right? Again, I think if you think too hard about this film, it'll leave you confusing, yeah, confused. I'm sorry. So, what should you take away from this film? Here's what I think you should take away that it was just a great visually compelling, uh huh. 
horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, and and that is allowing you to think deeper mm-hmm. about these things. Um, in the horror documentary, um, Jordan Peele said that he is very interested in um, the thought or the theme of anything that we suppress as a people coming back to um, wreak havoc in our lives in a nasty way. Mm. And so I can see that with Get Out and then also with us. Those things are definitely present in his film. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, so if that's his take on it, you can go with several different themes and symbolism on what stuff meant. Yeah, everyone's going to have a different point of view, definitely. It is something that I would recommend going to go see and watch and then get with friends and talk about it and see yeah. what everybody thinks. And also another genius thing that I don't think directors or creators get enough um, enough um, praise or attention for is creating content in which people need to view it several times, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. then that's how you get people, A, in the audience, in the box office, mm-hmm. B, buying or renting or downloading. Mm-hmm. And you get those money several different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. Because... Definitely. I'm definitely going to, I don't know if I'm going to buy us, but I'm going to rent it again. Yeah, I'll watch it. When it comes on, I'm not watching Get Out again, but I'll watch us again. Yeah, because I'm like, dang, seriously? Because I want to see what else I see that I didn't see before. Yeah, us didn't have the strong symbolism as much as Get Out did. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no, it's completely different. And don't, I don't want to... Don't think you're going to go see Get Out 2 or something like that, 2.0, or some, some no, version no, 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 of no, Get no. Out, or some storyline spinoff of Get Out, because it's not. It's completely different. It's, but Jordan Peele does talk about how, and he never confirms or denies this, how he would like to have a universe Oh yeah. Of what, in which both of these... They do exist in the same events. universe. Exists in the same they universe, do. Get I, Out and Us. Mm-hmm, they do. I mean, I know he's doing his whole Marvel kind of overarching his build. He's building his career out to be this and I'm Spielberg of horror, and he's he's it. on the right track. He's going to do it. I know he is. So I'm, I'm for it. I'm pretty sure he has probably like a ton of scripts already written and thought out and done that he's going to go back and perfect and like just over the next ten years crank these things out every year. I can see it. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what the third film will look like. Oh, do we want to give predictions? Just anything? Mm-mm. Any kind? No. Because I I don't know where the hell his mind is going, <laughs> like, for real. And that's one thing that oh, I... Oh, well, wait, Candyman. Well, it's not his film, but he is doing Candyman. That's the next one's coming out. That is true, so but I'm it's... assuming Halloween is when Candyman will be, back, be out. Yeah, but that's not part of this story arc. It isn't, you know. So, I, I mean... That's I, his next film. I would like to see how he continues on with this universe that he's creating. But what if he takes Candyman and puts it in his universe? Girl, that'll be too much for me. I admire people <laughs> who are like so creative and think outside the box and yeah. it just like it's thrilling for me to watch someone like Jordan Peele create these type of things because in my mind I'm like I could never even think of nothing no crazy shit like this no yeah. <laughs> hell no but it works for him and and I'm I'm loving it I'm gagged off of it but I don't know I get uh, us is one of those things where you're like 
okay. Right, and I thought, yeah, I did not, when I, when I went to go see it, it wasn't what I expected. Right. But I did enjoy it. I can't say I didn't. I, didn't. I would say, as an audience member, it is kind of dissatisfying, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, also very good. Mm-hmm. At the same time. And let us know what you thought the hell this movie was about. Absolutely. What resonated with you, what spoke to you, um, mm-hmm. and what themes or symbolisms did you pick up on this? Because... It's varied. It's varied. It is. And it it differs from person to person Mm -hmm. based on your experience, right? So if you are considering yourself one of the poor and the forgotten, maybe that resonated more with you. Right. If you're someone trying to grapple with your inner self, Mm -hmm. maybe that resonated more with you. If you're someone who's just pissed off about the Trumps, (laughs) Trumps. (laughs) you know, and our presidents, um, then... Maybe you got something else out of the film that mm-hmm. we didn't. So um, let we, us know what your thoughts are. Definitely. Um, you can put your comments on um, our social media pages. Mm-hmm. We're at Black and Behind the Scene on Instagram and on Facebook. Yes. Uh, or shoot us an email if you want to. Write us a dissertation of your thoughts please. on the film. If you, have a think, if you have a think piece, <laughs> a YouTube video about it. Yeah, uh, let us like, send us the links. We want to know what you guys think. Yeah. Definitely. In fact, I think what I'm going to do is create a poll tonight on uh, Facebook. Nice. And see what people think about uh, the yeah, film. Just yeah. so we can get some type of um, initial reaction, which we probably should have did before this. But, oh, well. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Anything else? Um, no, that's it, guys. Um, and until next time, I'm Antoinette. And I'm Brittany. And see you.